The Penguins got a big win against the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday night, and Pat and I are going to recap that game, plus dive into the trade that Kyle Dubas made during the game. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Cinnamon for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So, Pat, the Penguins snap their little losing streak. They get a big 4-1 to win over the Montreal Canadiens. I didn't think the Penguins played particularly well in this game. I thought they were really slow out of the game. Montreal was all over them in those first three to five minutes, but Tristan Jari was there to answer the bell. And that's where I'm going to start today's episode. I thought Jari played one of his best games of the season and continues to have, in my opinion, the best season of his career to date. I tweeted this during the game. I know he had a great season two years ago before it was cut short because of the broken foot. He only then played in game seven of their playoff series against the Rangers. But so far this season, and he's been able to stay healthy, I think this is the most consistent Jari has been throughout his career. Outside of maybe the first couple of weeks, he continues to bail the Penguins out in quite a few situations and play really consistent. He was challenging shooters all night long, making highway robbery type saves as well. He was great yet again, and it's been awesome to see. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding for tonight's game. Both the eye test and the numbers are there for you. One goal against, 968 save percentage against the Canadians tonight. A lot of those saves were in big moments. A lot of those saves were 10-bell saves. And the poor start he had this season is a distant, distant memory. This team is chock full of issues. There's all kinds of inconsistencies and things that we can complain about. But to this point, Tristan Jari is not one of those one of those issues. He's been absolutely incredible. And, and to what you were kind of starting to say there, I agree, but also kind of disagree on that. I don't think the Penguins were great tonight. They were in no stretch of the imagination great or even good. But yeah. It was another game that you can really say is a microcosm of this season because for point parts of it, I would say multiple different stretches, they were dominating the Montreal Canadiens. And then they went to sleep for a couple minutes and opened the door yet again. But as we were just saying, in those moments when they opened the door, Tristan Jari was right there. Right. I wasn't trying to say like, oh, they played like absolute crap because I don't think this was close to their worst game of the season, but I don't think they played, I guess, to the level that we've seen them play at in a lot of their other wins, I guess is what I'm trying to say for this season. But yeah, overall, tremendous performance from number 35 in net. But after that, I do want to shout out Chris Letang for a great night as well. I know the turnover that he had that led to Mike Matheson's goal was not good. You saw him slam his stick on the ice after he was not happy, but you know what? He redeemed himself plenty of times. He gets the tying goal 
to make it 1-1. He then gets the empty net goal later on in the game. But he also had quite a few really strong defensive plays in this game too. So outside of one boo-boo, I thought Chris Letang had a fantastic performance. And that goes with his season as a whole, I feel like, just because he also has been one of their best players so far this season. He was great tonight. I mean, the again, like I was saying about Jari's uh, poor start to the season now being in distant memory, I mean, that turnover for the Matheson goal is a distant memory as well because even for the Penguins not putting together, I would say, a complete 60-minute effort, Chris Letang really did play well right after the turnover. He was noticeable in a good way every time he was on the ice. Uh, Jari had a great save that we thought was a great save on a wraparound attempt by, I believe it was Cole Caulfield. And it looked like Jari got post to post, which he did, but it was irrelevant because Chris Letang was right in there with a stick to keep the puck from going in. So even if Jari hadn't made it to the post, it wasn't going in anyway, right? Because of the great play by Letang. And overall, I mean, one of the things I was a big fan of tonight that I want to bring up is you know, I don't want to. I don't want to have anybody think that in less than 24 hours I'm changing my stance on this team's not making the playoffs because I still don't think they're making the playoffs. I still believe that selling off some assets to get to next year is the right way to go. However, this is the second game in a row where the bulk of the scoring didn't come totally from the top line. Yes, Brian Rust had a goal. Chris Letang, one of your key contributors, with two but Drew O'Connor with a goal and you didn't need this to be another night where Sidney Crosby carries the team. You didn't need it to be a night where only Rust or Crosby or Latang are the only people going in there. Drew O'Connor has another goal. He has been a man on fire lately. The last couple of weeks, he has been one of the Penguins better players. That was and, a piss missile, by the way. That's what that oh, was. That was a gorgeous from Drew O'Connor there. And then you look at the he, he didn't get on the uh, score sheet other than one assist on Drew O'Connor's goal. Valtteri Pustinen had himself a game tonight. He was all over the offensive zone. He was hunting the puck all night long, and he had a couple very good chances that just didn't go in. So I really hope that this is a jumping off point because if they do what I expect them to do, which is miss the playoffs and start a retool on the fly this offseason to focus on next year, we need to see Drew O'Connor and Valtteri Pustinen ready to take a next step into next year and become bigger contributors because they have been showing it in flashes all year long. Now we need to see it every single night. I agree with that. And I like that you brought up Pustinen because for the last several weeks, he just kind of disappeared a little bit. But this past week, he has been a man on a mission, especially these last two games. He was great against the Islanders. And then tonight, he could have had, I think, two goals tonight. He beat Primo a couple of times. One of them hit the post. But he was engaged every time he was out there. And the underlying numbers also back that up pretty well. I mean, tonight, when he was on the ice, had about almost 11 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Penguins had 55% of the shot attempts. They also had 53% of the scoring chances. And for... Houston himself, 60% expected goals for rate. Those are really good numbers for him. And with how he's played the last couple of games, give him a shot. 
I think maybe on Evgeny Malkin's line. I've been kind of trying to be a bit more patient on Matthew Phillips because I liked that waiver pickup and I thought he did have a pretty decent first game, but these last two have kind of been a step back in the wrong direction. I think tonight was by far Phillips's worst game. And with that, I would kind of demote him down to the bottom six a little bit and move Pustinen up considering the level that he has played at these last two games. Again, I know he wasn't going to play like this for the entire season after he got called up the last three weeks. He's been kind of a bit down, but this week, he has been a completely different player going back to I think what we saw for a little bit when he first got called up. Agreed. I, I like Phillips game, but I, I think it would probably be better suited in the bottom six. He's a little bit more of a sandpaper player with a little bit of speed. I don't think he fits too well in a top six role. And I think with the way DOC and Pustinen have been playing as of late, that they should be stapled there for the rest of the season. It's the same thing with Raquel and Crosby. Just you have to keep that set up as your top six. I know Raquel still is is struggling, but it, there he's not in the same way. I don't think Phillips is a top six player. Ricard Raquel is not a bottom six player. So if nothing else, you have to optimize this lineup to what you have right now. And I think putting DOC and Pustin in, in the top six along with Raquel is the right way to go. And I would really, you know, to kind of go away from tonight's game for a second, I really need to see more of Jesse Pujarvi in some capacity here. Um, I think we have seen more than enough of Jansen Harkins. He's a guy. That's literally all he is. And no offense to him. I don't know anything about him, but I, I don't think that experiment has worked out. And you still have a pretty fresh set of legs in Jesse Pujarvi, who you have signed into next year. So let's see what we got there so we can really figure out what we're going to do with them this summer. And I thought Pujarvi was looking fine after he signed with the Penguins and played a few games. I mean, he wasn't like lighting the league on fire, but I still thought he was at least contributing. Having him out of lineup for Jansen Harkins, I agree. It's definitely a bit weird because Harkins has not scored in any games he's played in this season and it's just not contributing much on offense or on defense. And, you know, we'll have to see if he comes out for Emil Benstrom. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. But just to finish off this segment in general, I also thought Eric Carlson had a great game tonight. I know I've been seeing a lot of takes on social media. We've been getting some comments on YouTube saying, oh, you know, maybe it's time to think about trading him. It hasn't worked out the way that maybe some of us have thought. And while I guess I understand a little bit to what these people are saying, especially on the power play, I think Eric Carlson has been as advertised at five on five. And I actually think he would have at least 10 more points this season if the Penguins weren't the worst finishing team in the league. He's able to set up chances. The Penguins are just not finishing those chances. And you saw that tonight on the power play. He set up that chance and Brian Rust was able to deflect it in. And it's funny, Pat, who knew if you went to the net on the power play, oh, you're going to get results. And that's exactly what the Penguins did on that power play. But just overall, I thought that was a great, game from Eric Carlson. And I do think he's played at a high level this season. Again, I understand maybe people were expecting a bit more out of him, but I think he's been as advertised. I've been beating that drum all season. I, I know that he's had some frustrating moments. I have often likened it to prime Chris Letang. When you remember, if you remember those days when you kept, you stuck with them because yeah, he would make mistakes and the mistakes he would make would be glaring, 
but they greatly outweighed the or you would that would get greatly outweighed by the positive and it's been the same for Eric Carlson he has had some tough stretches he's had but so has this team this team has just not been a good team overall and that affects everybody in your lineup unless you are a true generational superstar like say a Sidney Crosby who's having himself a pretty darn good season I also think you know the 100 point Norris winning season might have actually been kind of detrimental to his reputation. I saw because you tweet it's that, so, yeah, it's it's so top of mind for people that they were like, oh, this is exactly what we're getting out of Eric Carlson. And no, you're not, because that was an extreme outlier of a season. When you look at his career numbers in this year, he's right on track for his career average. So you're getting exactly who Eric Carlson has always been save for one unbelievable, probably unreachable season he had one time. I agree. And I think also people are looking at the cap hit and are like, oh, this is all we're getting from a $10 million defenseman, but he's still playing like a number one defenseman. He has been one of their five best players this season. And that's not arguable. I mean, at least to me, and I know that's not arguable to you either. So I just want to shout him out for a really great game as well. But I think that will do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, Kyle Dubas decided to make a trade during this game, and Pat and I are going to break that down. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of the show, you will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Dam. And we're recording this shortly after 10 o'clock on Thursday evening, trying to get you this episode right at midnight, or at least that's our goal to get this up, just because content- the content monster needs fed. Yes, th- th- there's always content for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And speaking of that, Kyle Dubas did make a trade during the game against the Canadians, sending forward Alex Nylander in a conditional sixth round pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Emil Benstrom. Right away when I saw this trade, I actually liked it. You know, he's only 24 years old. He signed for the rest of the season. Five goals, 11 points in 32 games so far this season. For his career, he's played in about 200 games, 204 to be exact. 31 goals, 69 points in 204 games. Overall, he's not known for his finishing ability. If you look at some of the underlying numbers, he's kind of another defensive forward just because the Penguins don't have enough defensive forwards on this team. But I do think when you look at this forward group right now, he instantly becomes one of your 12 best forwards. And you have to at least give him a look for the rest of the season to see what he can do. I mean, I would take him over Jansen Harkins at least this season. I can probably argue that I would take him in a way over Noah Charlie, though I do think Achari had a decent game back then, especially on the penalty kill. But 
Overall, I do think Benstrom is one of their 12 best forwards, but you know they're going to have to figure this situation out with Bujarvi. I mean, I would obviously keep Pusta in the lineup, but I still think I would play him down the stretch here to see what they have in this kid overall. Oh yeah, me too. And let me uh, let me do a list of names here when it comes to Benstrom here. Jansen Harkins, Jesse Pujarvi, Matt Nieto, Matthew Phillips, Nolachari, Ricard Raquel. He has more goals than all of them, except for Ricard Raquel, who he is tied with, with five. (laughs) So, I mean, listen, that's how down bad this Penguins team is. We acquire a 24-year-old who has scored five goals in a bottom six role, and we're pretty happy about it. But the early scouting reports out of him for a lot of people who watched him in Columbus have said that he's a very solid player. He's got an underrated shot. And while he doesn't have much of a scoring touch, he's a guy who can create some havoc and help you out on a second power play unit, which would be very nice. And I think overall, this is kind of giving us an idea of what Kyle Dubas is thinking about doing into the deadline and into the offseason, which is the plan that I have been referring to, where he is going to just get himself a mountain of assets, a mountain of picks, and he is going to be wheeling and dealing for quite a bit to retool and facelift this roster into next season. I agree. And there is a condition on this pick, and I got to say, it's pretty hilarious. So if Benstrom scores six goals for the rest of the season with the Penguins, that sixth round pick in 2026 becomes a third round pick that year. So if he goes on a shooting bender, I guess it, that pick will go three rounds up. But does anyone actually expect that to happen? Honestly, probably not, considering when you look at what the Penguins' bottom six has done this year. But I saw a lot of people freaking out about that. And honestly, I'm not super jammed about it. I mean, yeah, you could probably get more for a 2026 third-round pick. But at the end of the day, the player that you get with that pick has a low percentage of getting to the NHL in general, which is why, again, I'm not really too upset about it. And assuming that this team does sell in the next two weeks, and I think they're, I think they're probably going to at least sell off a couple of pieces. You're going to get assets back that you can again, flip to get immediate help this summer. So I'm not really jammed about the condition as some other people are that I saw on social media. And if he more than doubles his goal total in 20 some odd games that he's probably going to get into, That's a good thing for the Penguins, guys. That is a good thing for the Penguins in the immediate. And to kind of build off what you're saying, I mean, I know that every fan base has them. We're just plugged into the Penguins more than any. There is just a strain of fan lately that has to look on the negative side. I don't know if it's wanting to show off your fan credentials and talk about how you know better than the average fan and you're not delusional or whatever, but I mean, between that and just tonight's game, yeah, were the Penguins great tonight? No, they were fine. But like, I saw people being like, oh, it's another typical Penguins performance. It's another, oh, you know, they're being bailed out by this, that, and the other. And it's like, take yes for an answer. You are allowed to take yes for an answer. They are winning. They are shut. For the most part, they shut the door on the Montreal Canadiens. I know, not that impressive, but 
take yes for an answer. They are going to get it. They got a clean two points. They looked that game very rarely ever looked in doubt, except for early on when Matheson scored. And then they make a trade like this for a speedy guy, a young guy in the bottom six who wants to prove himself. And he's coming to a team where, listen, it is the home and birthplace of Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit, man. Like, there's a chance he could become a guy. <laughs> That's perfect the way you said that. And honestly, no one should be surprised if that does happen, considering the Penguins have had success with those types of players, I would say, over the years. But yeah, I mean, the trade is fine, people. I don't really see why people are thinking that this is a negative in any way. Again, I don't expect that pick to become a third-round pick because I don't think he's going to score six goals over the next couple of months. But hey, maybe he surprises you and I, and he does. And as you said, that is a good thing heading into next season where he'll try to continue proving himself for the Penguins, and maybe he can become an even better depth option for this team next year. So I have no problem with it at all. But I think that will do it for this second segment. Coming up to end the show Pat and I are going to preview the final Battle of Pennsylvania game against the Philadelphia Flyers this season. That comes your way from PPG Paints Arena on Sunday afternoon. That's also the final game of this four-game home stretch before they go on the Western Canada trip to play at least two of the best teams in the league right now. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Ibotta. Grocery bills are so expensive these days, but now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app and get cash back every time you shop. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beautiful supplies to toys so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip so you can buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving as well. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and so much more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONNHL when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store right now and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code LOCKEDONNHL. That's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKEDONNHL. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Camp. So, Penns Flyers for the fourth time coming your way this upcoming week, and the Penguins have lost two games to the Flyers, both coming in the extra session. But the Penguins did win the last game against the Flyers in Philadelphia by a score of 4-1. to Yes, I know that game came in early January, but I thought that was one of the Penguins' best games of the season by far. They got contributions from everyone in the lineup. Heck, they got a goal from Chad Ruedel. In that game, they also got one from Ricardo Raquel. I thought of Guinea Malkin had one of his best games in that one. But to win this version of the Battle of Pennsylvania, Pat, and to keep the good times rolling at least a little bit and try to get a two-game winning streak, what do the Penguins need to do to beat a very surprising Flyers team this season? Well, here's the big thing that you got to keep in mind about Saturday's game. The Philadelphia Flyers will be playing the day before against the New York Rangers who are arguably the best team in the Metro right now Sunday, by the way. and the New York Rangers come Saturday will be looking for their 10th straight win. The 
the Rangers are absolutely rolling right now. And it's a game 24 hours prior to the Penguins Flyers matchup. So you have to do the same thing that the Penguins did to the Flyers when they went into Philadelphia and got that 4-1 win. If you remember that game, the Penguins jumped on the Flyers right from the drop of the puck. They gave them no quarter whatsoever in that game. The Penguins came out and smothered them right off the hop and took the game to them. As Mike Sullivan likes to say, they dictated the terms in that game. They didn't let the Flyers play their 200-foot game. They didn't let the Flyers establish any sort of forecheck, get any shots on net. And when they come to town on Sunday, you have to do that exact thing to them and take advantage of the fact that they are going to play what is probably going to be one of the harder games they're going to play this season in New York. Yeah, I think they might be gassed for this game. You you said it. They play the Rangers on Saturday. The Penguins-Flyers game is on Sunday. And this is, again, a back-to-back with travel. The Penguins, they'll have three days of rest coming into this game against the Flyers. In a way, even though the Flyers are ahead of them in the standings, in my opinion, there's really no excuse to lose this one just because of that advantage you'll be having with full rest and because the Flyers will be playing a really tough game against the Rangers the day before. That said, the Flyers have been a pretty solid team this season. They are getting contributions from everywhere in their lineup, notably Travis connecting 27 goals, 54 points in 57 games. Connecting, I think, has been the best player on their team. Owen Tippett has been great, 21 goals, 35 points. Joel Faraby has also been awesome for the Flyers, 17 goals in 43 points. And I'll also shout out Sean Couturier as well. He only has 11 goals this season, but he is back to being a two-way force for the Flyers. So you know we're going to get a heavy dosage of Couturier versus Crosby in this game. And that's going to be a matchup that the Penguins will have to at least be neutral. And so the other lines could potentially feast, hopefully the Evgeny Malkin line, if they're able to bump up Valtteri Pustinen for this one. Another thing that I want the Penguins to do as well in this one is take something that they did well against Montreal, and that is win the special teams battle because they the Penguins did a great job against Montreal special teams. The penalty kill was great. Again, shout out to Nolachari for that. He does bring value on the penalty kill, even though I know I've been a bit critical of him in other areas, but he did play well on the PK and the Penguins PK as a whole was great. They'll be going up against a Flyers power play that is the second worst unit in the league, 13.3%. Yes, people, that unit is worse than the Penguins one this season. But penalty kill-wise, the Penguins face a daunting challenge. Flyers PK is second best in the league at 86.5%. So if you can win that battle overall, especially with the penalty kill, and maybe get that power play goal that you got against the Canadians penalty kill, even though I know the Canadians have one of the worst penalty kills in the league, that will also go a long way towards winning this as well. And also, I want to see that same response that I saw in this game against the Canadians. Kyle Dubas, I know he didn't come out there and bury the team during his media press conference. He still challenged them to play better over these next couple of weeks because he didn't go out there and say, oh yeah, I'm just going to blow this thing up. He said these next couple of weeks are still going to dictate how much I potentially sell off, but he still wants to see what this team does over the next couple of weeks. So let's see if they can get that next win heading into a pretty long road trip for next week. Yeah. And I mean, obviously important rivalry game. It's not as hot as it once was, but it's still right. a rivalry game. 
And here's the other thing I think the Penguins have to take advantage of going into Sunday. We don't know who the rotation is going to be yet because they still got to play their back-to-back. But whether it's Samuel Erson or Cal uh, Pedersen, the Penguins are going to have the goaltending advantage. Erson's rocking a okay 900 save percentage. He has not been great in his last five, only posting a uh, save percentage of 900, 900 or higher twice. And things are not much better for Cal Peterson this year, despite only starting three games, two and one record, three, uh, three even goals against average and an 890 save percentage. The the Penguins have to take advantage of two subpar goalies. They have to, depending on whichever one starts, you have to, similar as to what I said at the start, you have to get to him early. You have to yeah. get to the Flyers early. Make their lives miserable. Give them that one snowflake of doubt that turns into an avalanche to where they're not thinking about, okay, how do I stop the next one? They're thinking, oh God, how is the next one going to go in? And that's what they did, as you alluded to just a few minutes ago, in that last meeting in Philadelphia. It was the power play that got things going for the Penguins in that opening minute. And then they never let up for the rest of that game. I mean, the Flyers pushed back like once or twice, but it was only for a few seconds. But the Penguins were still in firm control of that game for the entire 60 minutes. So that type of effort with your season on the brink is very much needed before a long road trip as the deadline gets a bit closer. But I think that will do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to slash watch this episode. Pat and I will be back with another episode for you all on Monday to recap this game against the Flyers and get you all set for that trip to Western Canada. For Patrick Damp, I'm Hunter Hodes. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll talk with you all on Monday.